Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast has been brought to you by France and Bank and Trust. And welcome to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps Podcast, the sweltering version. Uh, not not because <laughs> we're going to talk about adult content, because it's been pretty damn hot out there, Jim Paulson. Yeah, I experienced that at the state tennis tournament. Um, and uh, of course, I'm you know well into my uh, advancing years, and I still haven't learned how to deal with the heat. Uh, you would think I'd have been smart enough to to put on sunscreen and give myself some sort of covering when I'm out at the tennis tournament. No, I just figured I'd go out there and pop in and and show up. And uh, my my skin has definitely got a nice pink um, tint to it today. That's for sure. What did you see with the athletes? Because you know they're they've been playing outside all season. Uh, it has been tough lately with the heat, uh, but these are pretty well trained teenagers. Uh, just, and we're just talking boys because girls tennis is a fall sport. Um, how, how did you see the athletes getting through and getting by? Well, you know, there was definitely a lot of concern around the, uh, the people in charge and people running the tournament that the kids stayed hydrated and stayed um, safe from the blazing sun. Um, they, they had you know, your typical crossover breaks between uh, games, as you always do in tennis, which is nice to have. They had umbrellas to uh, shield them from the uh, sun in between those cross crossovers. There's plenty of water and Gatorade and, uh, and hydrating going on. And that was, I, I don't even think you'd have to tell the kids to do that. I think it's just natural. You know, you're going to want to hydrate. So I think they were being pretty careful. They had definitely had a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, certified trainers out there, making sure everyone's being safe. I, I, other than people getting you know, maybe a little, little bit, hotter than they wanted to be. I think they're handling things pretty well. The uh, Edina wins it, and I saw that they won by a score of four to nothing. And when I saw that, I thought it was a misprint. But you told me that that's actually correct. They There was uh, the team, once they got to that deciding, clinched that deciding fourth point, then they, would, they looked at ending the matches and, and evidently did that with the championship match. And they did that a few times in both class 1A and 2A because of the, the heat. And uh, they do this in college tennis a lot because players will play both doubles and singles. That once the, you've reached the amount of uh, victories that gives you the team victory, and this place in high school tennis, you have to win four individual matches to get it to win a team match, which is the best of seven. Uh, once they reached that four victories, they had pulled the kids off the mat or off the court. And, um, because there's no reason to keep them playing anymore when the match has already been decided, particularly when you're, when you're playing in these heat, they can be dangerous. And it made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense for Edina in a, a couple of places because they've got kids that are playing in the individuals as well. So they've had to go three team matches um, and then go out and have to play. Uh, if they get to the championship four individual matches, that's a seven matches over four days in 90 degree heat that can drain you a little bit, particularly when you're playing against another player who's a high caliber player. None of these are walkover matches when you get to the individuals. So uh, it really helped a lot of these kids who are um, had the chance to, to move on to maintain the, their health and their, uh, their energy a little bit so they can, they can gear everything they need to when they get to the, uh, to the finals. You know, I've covered tennis for a long time and even indoors on hot, days i've seen kids that have been you know playing team matches and individual matches uh in the entire tournament cramp up and have a hard time finishing 
on the final day. That's that's something I've seen many times. And so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see that this week as well. Where are, uh, you said the individuals are, are, are still to come or we named those? Individuals Individuals are going on Thursday. You have the, the okay. first round in the quarterfinals on Thursday and then the, uh, the uh, semifinals and finals on Friday. And again, like I said, this is the first time since 1998 that the tournament has actually been scheduled outdoors because they're normal venues. The Baseline Tennis Center at the University of Minnesota and the Reed Sweat Family Tennis Center in Minneapolis were not available because of the, at the University of Minnesota because they're still you know, uh, cautious with COVID restrictions. Um, not sure about why Reed Sweat wasn't available. But they're playing it outdoors, which uh, the media made more of a big deal out of it than the uh, than the players did because they play their matches outdoors all season long anyway. So the outdoor aspect of it didn't make a difference. Just so happened that we have outdoor state championship matches in the hottest stretch um, that we've ever had during a state tournament. So that, that that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, the uh, yeah we you, you, yeah it's it's uh, it's just it's been relentless. It's not just like one or two days. It's been a stretch of hot weather. It's it's it, and it feels like it went from fairly cool May to all of a sudden you know mid July in in the span of about six hours. It's just no. there's no really acclimation period. It's just here we go. We're in the blast furnace. Yeah, you know, and and uh, I've seen that more and more and more in Minnesota weather in recent years where we go straight from, uh, you know, a pleasant fall to winter or straight to summer without having that, that nice um, kind of um, transition period in between. You did say we had a cool May. And for me, that was absolutely perfect. If the temperature never gets over 70 degrees, I'm happy with that. <laughs> that that's, I, I, give me a 65 degree day uh, and sunny and I'm, I'm, I'll be fine for the rest of the summer. Um, I'm not a, we don't we don't live on a lake. We're not big swimmers, and uh, so I uh, that uh, is fine with me in, in Minnesota. I guess you call me I'm Minnesotan through and through. I think I don't um, I don't like the extreme cold temperatures that below zero. Like we had last uh, late January, early February, we had the week where we never got above zero. But I look at this hot stretch, and I'm equally um, bothered by it. I, I, I don't like these extreme weather uh, at all. Well, you mentioned Gatorade as part of what players were using to cope during the team portion of the tennis match. And that brings us nicely into an award. Uh, the National Player of the Year presented by Gatorade to a real sleeper pick, Chet Holmgren of Minnehaha Academy. Never heard of him. <laughs> He's an up-and-comer. Yeah. Uh, you know, no surprise there. I you know he'd won national awards already. He's McDonald's All-American. And he was Naismith Player of the Year, and we can't forget he was the Star Tribune Metro Player of the Year, which is a, a, a accomplishment in and of itself. But I I, I don't know it's it's a, a marketing tool for Gatorade. A lot of people put a lot of stock into the Gatorade Player of the Year, whether it's just a State Player of the Year or a National Player of the Year, and it, and it's a nice award to win. Personally, I would if you really want to give a kid an award that means something as just an award for what he's done basketball wise. I say, take your, your company's name out of it and just say it's the National Player of the Year Award and don't give yourself any uh, um, publicity through it. And then we'll know that you really have the right, uh, you're, looking at the, you're doing it for the right reasons. I, I, I get a little bit bored with these um, awards given out by uh, companies that are just trying to market their names. So we send you the bill for the trophy then or what? <laughs> 
I just, I, I just know that uh, we gave him, we gave uh, Chet Holmgren our award, and I'm sure he's probably still basking in that glow. So, just, this is just gravy on top of that big award. I think it's exciting if you're a Minnesota basketball enthusiast. You know, you just had Jalen Suggs and Paige Beckers, and now Chet Holmgren. The, the that place at, at the table uh, for national prominence uh, as far as individual talent. Uh, is, is maintained another year. And I think that that's good. I think that you know, gives kids something to look at and gives one more opportunity to give Minnesota kids a better look. Even if you know, you're not maybe a Chet Holmgren, a, a Jalen Suggs or a Paige Beckers, you could still, if you're a kid that's fighting for you know, a national footprint in some way, I think it only helps to, to you know, people could say, yeah, you know, Minnesota's producing some good kids and, Maybe we should take a look at this kid that's that's looking at our school, and we should put them on our recruiting. So I think I think it can benefit a lot of people overall uh, to have that national that national presence for these individuals, and, and that's that's a good thing that it keeps rolling. Sure, sure, I agree with you. State so, you know, state tournaments keep rolling too. We got tennis this week. We're recording this about noon on Thursday. Um, I wanted to pivot and talk lacrosse uh, because that's the tournament that I will be investing in next week. It's the state like, of lacrosse here, you know. It, is, it really is, but that is one that's growing too. And I was actually thinking of that. You know, I try to, you know, overdo it with my transition sometimes. But I actually that what I said about basketball that came from discussions I had with lacrosse coaches about how Minnesota players in lacrosse that are doing well in these different collegiate hotbeds that just makes it easier for the next Minnesota kid to get recruited by them. So. Uh, it is growing. It's doing well. A different look to this year's tournament. Uh, historically, it's uh, been held at Chanhassen or, or Minnetonka, girls at one venue, boys at the other. Uh, Stillwater will take the whole thing. Um, we'll have uh, the quarterfinals, I believe, are Tuesday, Wednesday, um, semifinals Thursday, and the girls play their championship game at 3 o'clock on Friday, and the boys play their championship game 3 o'clock on Saturday. Um, and as I said, as we record this, we don't know what the full field looks like. Both uh, Section 3 and Section 6 will be decided Thursday evening. And Section 6, those uh, implications are pretty massive because that's both for boys and girls, Prior Lake plays Edina. And those are top teams on both sides. So a little more that we have to learn. But we, what we do know right now is we've got a really nice, fresh look to both fields already. I'll start with the boys' side because we know that we have four brand-new teams to the mix this year with Chan Hassan, with Chisago Lakes, with Moorhead, and with a team that's got to be thrilled to be playing at home, uh, Stillwater. So that's uh, a good breakthrough for those programs, particularly Stillwater, because I know two years ago they thought that they were right there and they got beat, I believe, in the section final by Minnehaha. Last year, of course, everything was wiped out with spring sports. And, and I know that that was the team Stillwater was really looking forward to. Uh, but to their credit, they came back this year. They got to state and they beat Matamidi to do it. So you have to feel really good if you're a pony lacrosse enthusiast that you finally broke through. On the girls' side, Andover's in for the first time, as is Hill Murray. As is Benilde St. Margaret, which I was surprised by that. Not that they made it, but that they this is their first. I just... Benilde St. Margaret's to me is synonymous with lacrosse success. And, and as it turns out, you know, that a lot of that then was, was that seed was planted more by the boys who have made several state tournament trips. I know the girls have knocked on the door and have had good individuals. 
uh, but they are now finally through and uh, are in the mix. So good for the Red Knights. And then we have on the other end of the spectrum, you have Old Reliable Eden Prairie making their 14th trip to state in 14 opportunities. So if it's uh, lacrosse state tournament time in Minnesota, you just you can put the Eden Prairie girls there in Sharpie. They got it done again this year. After so many years, it was uh, Blake and Eden Prairie. That was the two teams that dominated girls lacrosse. The other schools, other programs in the Metro have elevated their programs enough to compete with those two teams. But they were the one and one A schools and girls lacrosse for a long, long time. Good to see that Eden Prairie is still maintaining while they're getting an awful lot of challenges from other places. Well, I do. Sorry, go ahead. You talked about you talked about the lacrosse. One of the most shocking turn of events I've ever seen in covering a state tournament happened in girls lacrosse a few years ago, and, and with the aforementioned Stillwater, but the girls team, not the boys. Um, they were about ready to uh, upset the Eden Prairie, which hadn't lost and had won a number of state championships and was the number one team in the state. Um, they're about to upset them, and they're up and they're up a goal. The ball went behind the uh, the Stillwater net. Stillwater goalie went back and grabbed it. And rather than just like there was only a few seconds to go in the game, just fling it down the length of the uh, the field and let the time run out. She tried to pass it; it got stolen from her by an Eden Prairie player, and she scored with one second left in the in the match to send it to overtime, where Eden Prairie ended up winning. Uh, still, one of the most shocking things I've ever seen. Um, the the goalie was actually pretty rational about it. She didn't shy shy away from comments on what she did. She just said she made a mistake. Um, and she should have just you know, gotten rid of the ball, but she tried to pass it, and it, things turned around so quickly. It's still one of the more more shocking of, turn of events I've ever seen in the state tournament, and uh, one I, I'll never forget. Speaking of Eden Prairie-related surprises, I have the uh, first-team all-state lists for both the boys and the girls lacrosse. And on the girls list, the uh, – there is not an Eden Prairie player to be found on the first team All-State. And I don't know that that's ever happened. Um, they do have some kids on the second team, but you have to you have to take your hat off maybe even a little bit more to Eden Prairie because they're not just relying on a few dominant players. Uh, they are, This is a team effort. They don't have anybody that really jumps out like like you used to. And and they're here. You know, so so good to and this is the first season that they've played without the coaching of Judy Baxter. Uh, she stepped mm-hmm. down. We didn't have a season last year. So they got new coach, uh, don't have a particular star, star type of a player. And yet here they are, 14th time in a row. Yeah, that says an awful lot about the commitment that the kids and the parents have in that program. And when you have set a standard for excellence, um, you still have that you try to reach. I mean, you can maybe realize you don't have quite the same level of players that you used to have. I wonder if, if that's the case or if other teams have just elevated their games, but um, there's still a standard of excellence that they strive to reach. And I got to hand it to Eden Prairie for keeping that streak alive. 14 straight state tournaments. That's hard to top. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about growth <coughs> you know, on the boys, back to the boys side, Chisago Lakes is in, Moorhead's in. These are not metro area programs. And so for them to break through, I think that's good. That's that's good for for the growth and, and to freshen the field and, and tell more kids, hey, we can get there from here. And I think that's that's important important message. Um, I'm excited. someone like me watching watching the cross. I still have a struggle a little bit watching the game as a novice. Um, 
between the differences between the boys and the girls game. Uh, the boys game is, is a little bit more fast paced. They allow a lot more contact. It's a lot more physical. The girls game is a lot more uh, calls being made. You're not really allowed to do any kind of real um, physical play. Um, there's things like shooting space violations and things, which I still don't understand. Um, but it's, it, it's, it, you look at it and you think it's the same game, but it's not the same game. And I'm wondering if it's ever, ever going to get to a point where the girls are uh, afforded the same beliefs of their, of their capabilities as the boys where they can play a game and be a little more physical um, than they're allowed to be at this point. I guess I can say that for hockey too, but uh, and right now I'm just talking lacrosse. And, and girls hockey, there is a physical component to it, um, even though you can't check. They, they still rub one another out and, and, you know, you can still put a body on somebody. You just have to, you know, mm-hmm. can't come through and eliminate them, you know, like, like you can the boys. So it's, I think the physicality in, in these sports, it, even if you don't have the, the obliterating open ice or open field hits, you, you still, the physicality is increased and it's still, you know, bigger, stronger teams are, are going to have the best chance of, of succeeding, particularly at the state tournament when, Space is harder to come by and things are covered more tightly. I, th- I think you're still seeing that, that smart physical play increasing in the girls' game, certainly in hockey, and I think the same would be true of lacrosse. So it's, uh, I, it's a sport that it makes me wonder, had it come into prominence in this area you know, 25 years sooner, if I would have gravitated toward that instead of baseball. Because like you said, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand it particularly well, but it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch, and it looks like it'd be fun to play. You know, I, yeah, I tell you, I, there are so many different types of uh, of um, positions that I'm not aware of. You've got the defensive long stick mid, midfielder. You have people that can't cross midfield with the ball. You have, you have people that play, you know, um, that, uh, a low attacker where they're spending much of their time behind the offensive goal. Um, just uh, so many different positions on, on, on the field. Um, I'm still trying to understand. I see some kids that can carry the ball from defensive end to the, uh, into the offensive zone. Others that never cross midfield. Um, I think I'd probably take one of those positions that were where you don't have to do quite as much running, but oh, so you'd be a, you'd be a face-off, get-off guy. Yeah, I'd be I'd be the I don't want to be the the uh, the low attacker where I'm never out of the offensive zone. I still want a little glory though. I still want to, be able to score once in a while, but um, it, it's it's takes a lot of getting used to if you don't know what, if you don't know the uh, the sport. But frankly, it looks like an awful lot of fun. It really does. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch at state tournament. I think, you know, going back to the early days, I felt like there were, and I don't know if this is a, exactly a metric, perfect metric, but you had very, very few assists on goals in the early days. And now you see the ball moving more. Now you see plays formulating. Now you see the importance of a well-timed and well-placed pass. Whereas before you give it to your top person, and get out of the way. Now you're seeing much more sophisticated movement and finishing and, and it makes for a more enjoyable product to watch. So I, I look forward to being out there for the, all the semifinals on Thursday, uh, as well as the two championship games, the, the next two days, next week. Uh, and we'll have, we'll be everywhere. We, we'll have people you're going to be in at uh, in covering softball in, in North Mankato. Uh, we're going to have folks at, at golf. We're, we'll be everywhere. You, you track and field. We're, we got it all covered. So keep looking at startreme.com, the various hub sites that, that cover these sports and, We'll bring you coverage as hot as the weather. Thanks for listening.